Hello, and welcome to the Early American Brass Band Podcast. I'm Chris Troiano, joined always by Stephen Canistrisi. Hello. And we are talking with Yari Villanueva, our first return guest. Yari is going to be talking about the 26th North Carolina Regimental Band and kind of their history pre, during, and post-Civil War and how uh, their band currently exists at 26 North Carolina Regimental Band today. So, really interesting talk, lad. We didn't scare Yari away the first time, and he was willing to come back a second time. But, uh, yeah, it's a lot of fun. Yeah, it was great to catch up with Yari, uh, hear what he's been up to since we had him on uh, the last time. And I was really happy that we were able to dedicate a whole episode uh, just to one band. Uh, We've done that in the past, I think with two other bands, with Dr. O'Connor with the 47th Pennsylvania Band uh, and Sue Kinney with the Manchester Band. Um, So it was great to get Yari on to talk about the 26th North Carolina Band, which has a very rich and interesting history. Uh, And we hope that you'll learn something uh, that you maybe didn't know uh, before by listening to the the podcast. And as is always the case, if you like what you're hearing, a very great way to support the podcast is to share and like and comment on social media and YouTube. Uh, we also have a brand new way that we mentioned last episode with Rodney Marsalis, but we now have a Patreon page. So if you feel uh, so compelled, you can go over to www.patreon.com. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash E-A-B-B podcast. And you can take a look at the tiers there. Uh, and select which one uh, works best for you. There's no obligation to do that, uh, but we do appreciate any support you'd be willing to give over on Patreon. Without further ado, here is episode 22 featuring Yari Villanueva. Enjoy. Welcome back, Yari Villanueva, to the Early American Brass Band Podcast. Thank you so much for coming back and being our, our first returning guest. Thanks. It's my honor to be here. Uh, had a great time the first time around and um, honored to be back here and happy to talk about a terrific band from the Civil War. Yeah. Yeah, we're excited to have you. So the the 26th North Carolina Regiment Band, we all know that the Frederick Fennell album, the, the Eastman Wind Ensemble album, he says that he was inspired to, to get into Civil War music because he, he was reading the accounts of Gettysburg and hearing a brass band playing on the fields of Gettysburg. And we assume that that's the, the 26th North Carolina. How did this band uh, kind of get on your radar and, and become an ensemble that you wanted to research and eventually uh, perform as? Well, when we formed the uh, Federal City Brass Band around 2002, you know, our, our idea with that particular band was to have a more generic band that would tell the story of all union bands uh, through its music and through the history and the uniforms and stuff. But then um, as that band became successful, we wanted to look at doing something that was um, more concentrated, you know, a single band with a, with a history. And we wanted to tell their story. Mm-hmm. And we, we, you know, we looked at other bands that were doing uh, similar things like the, the first brigade band, the wildcat band, which was uh, part of the 105th Pennsylvania, uh, the 47th band, uh, the 47th Pennsylvania band, uh, which was under the direction of Thomas Coates, um, and of course, the Saxons band, which was not a military band, but you know, it's a band that was 
popular during the, the during the during the middle part of the 19th century. And of course, you know, there are community bands and we looked at community bands that have this lineage to the Civil War. I mean, the Ringgold Band, um, the Repaz Band, they all had a Civil War connection. And then we decided, well, you know, we're doing a union band. It would be great to try and do a Confederate band. Uh, but of course, there are very few Confederate bands to look at. And, uh, you know, the records weren't very well kept. Um, and when I say there are few bands to look at, there were actually, during the war, there were many, many bands. It's just unfortunate that there are not good records that were kept. Um, okay. So looking at some of the bands that were uh, recreated, like the uh, 4th Georgia, which was uh, the Americus Brass Band, those guys were reenacting during the uh, 1970s and they were doing it correctly. They were they wore the proper uniforms. They were going out to reenactments and portray, per, portraying themselves as the fourth Georgia from the uh, Georgia town of Americus. Mm -hmm. uh, there's also the eighth Georgia band. Uh, they do a wonderful job of, of recreating uh, Confederate music. Uh, we also looked at the Fifth Alabama, which is more of a community-type band today. Um, and then, of course, the Stonewall Brigade Band, uh, which was part of the Fifth Virginia uh, Infantry, part of Stonewall, uh, Stonewall's Brigade during the Civil War. But there was not much known about these about these bands, uh, the, the band books don't exist anymore. Uh, there were very few uh, diaries that were kept by those musicians. So we wanted to, to actually find a, a band that had a good story. We wanted to have a, something that told a story that was interesting and quite compelling. And we wanted to have a band that would you know, not only talk about the Civil War, brass bands in general, but also the life of those involved. Um, and to do that, we looked and found the 26th North Carolina. Now, as you mentioned, uh, and quite accurately, um, Frederick Fennell talked about uh, the music in that landmark uh, recording that he did with the Eastman Wind Ensemble. Um, in fact, he actually has the quote, you know, he, he mentions the quote. He says that uh, when he was at Gettysburg and he was reading about it, he comes ac across the quote from uh, Lieutenant Colonel Arthur Fremantle. And Fremantle writes, um, quote, when the cannonade was at its height, a Confederate band of music between the cemetery and ourselves began to play polkas and waltzes, which sounded very curious, accompanied by the hissing and bursting of shells, unquote. So that's that's the quote that got Fennell like wondering, who, who were those guys and what were they doing? He made this trip over to, to try to find the spot and his his interest in it led to the uh, the 26th North Carolina and a trip down to uh, Winston Salem, North Carolina, to visit the archives of the mm -hmm. Moravian Foundation. Now, the, the, by the way, the band that he was talking about not only was the 26th, but it was also the um, the 11th North Carolina they had combined. So okay. that you know that compelling story got us interested, and also. I have a copy of, of Harry Hall's wonderful book called uh, uh, 
a Johnny Reb band from Salem, which I understand you're reading. Have you got through that book yet? Uh, I got through it. Uh, I actually was able to buy it from you, and oh. I was able to I was able to get through all of it. I need to uh, still lend it to Stephen because it's an incredible account. You know, I wonder why HBO hasn't made a series just about this brass band yet. It's crazy. <laughs> It, it's wonderful. And, and Harry uh, Hall, who uh, we did correspond with, uh, did this book after he did a dissertation on Moravian wind music uh, that he did in 1967 for the George Peabody College, Teachers College. And it, 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 the whole dissertation is about the history of the Moravian music in the United States. And within the dissertation is a section about the Civil War and the music of the 26th, which then he expanded into this the wonderful book, which is now uh, in the second edition. We also I also found music of, of the 11th North Carolina band, which was a, re a reenactment band that was they had done, I think, in the 1970s. I found some uh, mm -hmm. cassette tapes mm -hmm. and listening to them. Um, I don't. I think they're still in existence. I'm not sure. Um, yeah, they've been one of the ones that I've had a hard time tracking down. I was able to get a hold of uh, their volume five on CD, and I'm still trying to kind of go through some names uh, on that one to, to track down its activity. So yeah, I'll, I'll keep you updated. <laughs> please, please do. I, I mean, th that was one of the groups that uh, you know, since they had this close relationship with the 26, they recorded some of the the music. They were may of course they weren't the first ones to record it you know Fennell was the first one to record the music from the band books but they also mm -hmm. uh did do some recordings and interestingly enough i had listened to uh some audio presentation on the history of uh, gettysburg and in it was one of the arrangements from the original 26 north carolina band book that just floored me because it was com a commercial recording and it was being played on modern instruments, but it was definitely a, a, an arrangement from that band book. Yeah. And, and so I was curious, like, how in the world did they get this? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. So anyway, all that stuff, you know, combined us to, to, to start looking and putting together uh, the, the 26 North Carolina band. And that's how we got interested in it. Gotcha. I was curious, has, before you guys got a hold of the name and the music and all that stuff, has, to your knowledge, the 26th been reenacted uh, as an ensemble before? Like, had the Moravian Foundation tried to have a, a reenactment band previously, or were you guys kind of the first ones to adopt them as uh, your ensemble? Uh, we are not the first, actually. Um, it, during the 1960s, in Salem, as part of the Salem Band, they did a recreation of the 26 North Carolina and it was done. Um, I think in the early sixties, of course, with the centennial of the civil war being as popular as it was, uh, members of the Salem band, uh, put together mm -hmm. a group that, that played the, the uniforms, of course, uh, if you look at the 1960s, um, and the people who reenacted at the time, you will notice that the uniforms, are more in line with like gone with the wind type impressions. You know, they're, they're not as accurate as they, 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 they are today because uh, quite frankly, a lot of people did not have uh, access to uh, a lot of information 
as we have today with the internet and being able to, to, to actually find more and more photos of what these soldiers looked like and what the uniforms were like. And if I can't remember if, if that recreated band played on original instruments or not. Uh, but anyway, they were they were recre re recreated at that time. And then in the early 2000s, uh, around 2000, 2001, the Moravian Music Foundation um, sponsored a recording of uh, a CD called Storm in the Land, which was the uh, a brass quintet. Oh, gosh, now they're off the tip of my tongue. Uh, uh, I think American brass quintet. Thank you. The American brass quintet. Um, mm -hmm. And they recorded a whole bunch. Uh, they recorded uh, a whole CD of, of music from the from the archives, which was terrific. Mm -hmm. They actually did too. Was they did a follow up uh, cheer boys cheer? And I think yes. that was through the foundation also. Yes, they they did. Um, very good CDs that you know helped introduce this music to a wider audience. In reality, it was those folks who were doing it first, but. I, I don't believe that anyone decided to take it to the next level like we did, <laughs> which I'll talk about. <laughs> yeah. So Yari, what is kind of the history of the, of the 26? Cause as, as we've mentioned and alluded to, um, you know, they're tied into the Moravians and uh, they have a very rich his musical history in the United States. So I'm, I'm wondering kind of how this band came about. Well, of course, the, the history of the, the 26 North Carolina is it's, it's, it's a remarkable story of these uh, brass players uh, from the Moravian community in Salem, North Carolina. And by the way, there are two uh, Mor huge Moravian communities in the United States, one in Salem, Winston-Salem today, of course, and Bethlehem, Pennsylvania. Now, the Moravians they were a small group of Christians that uh, originally formed in uh, 1457, uh, prior to the uh, Protestant Re uh, Reformation. They settled in the United States in the 18th and early 19th century, and music was an important part of their culture, um, and part of everyday living, actually. Um, the Moravians brought with them from Europe a very rich musical culture, especially the, the German tradition of amateur musical uh, organizations. So the, the original uh, music in Salem was probably a trombone choir. Uh, that's one of the uh, traditions that the Moravians have had. If you've always, uh, when, you t when you mentioned Moravian, two trombone players they, they always smile because they, they know that it's great trombone music right. and th so the tradition was probably started for um for church services now in the early part of the 19th century they had a number of woodwind instruments but this was basically replaced by all brass instrument in the 1850s when the brass band movement uh took took over um and what music, you know, did these guys play? Well, you know, most foremost, uh, they, they played religious music, uh, music that was required uh, at services. Uh, groups would play at the top of uh, the church steeple to announce important events. They would announce deaths uh, and they would perform, uh, of course, at Easter. The Salem Band, we can trace back to the uh, latter part of the 18th century. Actually, George Washington had visited Salem, and according to records, 
the Salem band at that time played uh, music. They played God Save George Washington. Um, and they also uh, played uh, Washington's Grand March along with Hail Columbia and the March from Figaro's Marriage. Mm-hmm. Um, so the band, you know, at that time, it, w- it was a mixture, but it's not until about 1850 or so that it all turns into a brass band when um, Edward Leinbach, who was a prominent musician in, in, in Salem, he and his two brothers formed a brass band that they called the the Salem Band. And it was this band through the 1850s that, uh, you know, played for the, uh, played at Easter, played at church services, played at uh, picnics, played, at, you know, any kind of community events in Salem. And it's this band also that is to become the 26th North Carolina. The, the brothers, these three brothers, uh, Edward Leinbach and uh, James and Julius, uh, they were the core of the band. But the leader of the band was a, a fellow by the name of Sam Mickey. And Sam Mickey, as, as we head towards the Civil War, and by the way, Sam Mickey was an amateur musician. He was actually a tinsmith mm-hmm. by uh, profession. But, but uh, it's Sam Mickey who, when the Civil War starts, understands that, uh, you know, there are regiments being formed and, you know, bands are signing up to play uh, and support these regiments. And he is understanding of that. The, the, the 26th uh, North Carolina regiment is formed mostly of Moravians, but they are not the first Moravians to enlist in the uh, Confederate Army. Um, There was the 11th North Carolina and the 33rd North Carolina, and also the 21st North Carolina, actually, which was made up of Moravians, had a band also. At the beginning of the war, the Salem Band under Mickey played for patriotic events, recruitment events, and stuff like that. Um, But as 1862 rolled around, Mickey was becoming more and more thinking that they should sign up and that they uh, should offer their services to a regiment. And so they approached uh, actually the 26th North Carolina Regiment, which happened to be a camp near Salem at New Bern. And Sam Mickey talks about uh, his first interview with the bandmaster, or excuse me, with the with the uh, uh, commander of the regiment. And, and, and one great thing about the, uh, the 26th North Carolina is that they have kept, they kept diaries. And so I've got a lot of stuff here I'll read uh, from their diaries, which will give you great insight of their thinking. So, so Sam Mickey, uh, he says, quote, I was sitting in the lobby of Gaston House, New Bern, which is a hotel when a man wearing a colonel's uniform came in with a loaf of bread under each arm. This was Zeb Vance. I spoke to him and told him my errand. Colonel Vance replied, you are the very man I am looking for. You represent the Salem Band. Come to my regiment at Woods Brickyard, four miles below Newburn. The next morning I went down to camp and was met by Captain Horton of Company C. And as a result of my visit, the band was engaged and it was first paid for by the officers. So that's how uh, 
Sam Mickey got into the 26th North Carolina. The Colonel Zeb Vance, Zebulon Vance, um, was <laughs> yeah. It's a great name. And by the way, he goes he goes on to become the governor of North Carolina. Um, oh, and so they they enlist in the 26th, and they bring uh, a total of eight eight guys. And they are outfitted with a nice new, spanking new, brand new uniform. Um, it's a frock uniform made of, of cadet jean wool with brass buttons. And this is um, very interesting in that that there's only one picture of them in this uniform. And it's a very distinctive uniform. While uh, most, when you look at a lot of Confederate uniforms, they're either wearing short coats or, or vests and stuff. Uh, it was, it was, there was a, there wasn't really anything like a, 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 a regulate. There were regulation uniforms, but nobody kept to them. But the band wore <laughs> the long frocks, which is very interesting, with the addition of, like I said, this this jean wool cloth and two stripes on uh, the sleeve. And we'll, we'll talk is more that about that. Is that your band uses? Exactly. And I'll talk about that mm. when I talk about how, you know, when we got started. Uh, but that's what okay. the, the band wore. And they have a picture of them uh, that's taken on the main street of Sa Old Salem of, um, in the spring of 1862. Um, now, as I mentioned before, the history of this band is is has been very well documented in Harry Hall's book, and I would suggest uh, folks uh, go out and find that book. It's easily available on Amazon, and the book originally was published in 1963, and then updated and republished in 2006. Um, and we got to know Harry Hall a little bit, really nice man. And um, the, the whole book, uh, a lot of it bases its history on the diaries uh, kept by several members of the band. And it's through those eyes that we get a really good sense of what they did. So the, the band, band starts off, and if you notice in the original photo, it's just all brass instruments. There are no drums. Uh, they... They, they didn't use any drums at the very beginning. Um, but they, uh, <laughs> they had to start learning how to be military musicians. Um, so, you, you know, you talk about civilian musicians who are now uh, thrown into a regiment. So it's a, it's a different kind of life. They've got to be able to play um, uh, music for, uh, for parades, uh, dress parades, uh, music uh you know that the soldiers would would understand and they they talked about this is really funny they they write about the hardships of of doing this and um and julius leinbach writes he goes um quote one of the most difficult acquirements was to keep step as we marched up and down the lines at dress parade our natural gates were very dissimilar and as our attention must necessarily be given closely to our music, we would sometimes forget our feet. The parade grounds were sometimes imperfectly cleared of all stumps and runners, so now and then, again, some unsuspecting musician would encounter a snag where his foot would go into a hole, causing him to execute maneuvers not laid down in Hardy's tactics. 
<laughs> so that's that's a nice way of putting that uh, that they were having trouble marching up and down. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I guess the the turf monster that we all encounter in or encountered in marching band at one point or another existed back then too. Reach out, exactly. your foot, take you down. <laughs> exactly. Uh, meanwhile, you know, I know the band director. Don't look at your feet. Don't look at your feet. <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So. So, you know, back then they were they were going through the same stuff. So, uh, as I mentioned before, uh, Zebulon Vance, uh, who was then the commander of the 26th, had also been a United States congressman, and he was involved with politics before the war. He leaves the uh, regiment in August of 62 to become governor of North Carolina. Now, Vance, of course, appreciated that uh, Mickey had uh, volunteered the band to the regiment and he was very fond of them and he asked them to perform at his inauguration ceremonies in September of 62. Mm -hmm. um, now, the band uh, started, of course, putting together a library of, of music and that's one of the great things about this particular band is that the music of the, the band books survived in the archives of the Moravian Foundation down in Winston-Salem, North Carolina. Mm -hmm. And uh, like many, you know, uh, musical compositions uh, unique to this band, a lot of pieces were written without any kind of attributions whatsoever. They would like be marked in a book, March number one or March number two, um, waltz number one, things like that. Mm -hmm. um, but a lot of these pieces were probably written by uh, Edward Leinbach, who was Julius's brother. Edward didn't did not go off to war with the band, um, but he, he did write some music for the for the band. And one of those pieces is a, a very neat little quick step called the Twenty Sixth North Carolina Quick Step. Uh, it's uh, written for the for, for the regiment. Mm. So. Now, you know, it's it's 1862. The regiment is, you know, training up. Uh, they get a new commander uh, and the band goes off on a concert tour throughout North Carolina. Uh, a recruitment, you know, raise money for the regiment, you know, try to recruit more people. Uh, but it's cut short by a, a, a yellow fever epidemic. And one of the band members uh, who... Uh, one of the original band members who was an alto horn player by the name of Augustus Hauser uh, contracts the, the, the fever and he uh, goes home and he unfortunately passes away. Um, he's the only fatality of the uh, suffered by the band during the entire war. Spoiler alert. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, hey, I, mean, oh, if, yes. I mean, one is one is, you know, one too many, but yeah, at least it was only one i guess <laughs> it's 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 unique and, and considering how close they were to the fighting and and, and, and what, where they were um it's 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 remarkable that they only had one fatality mm -hmm. especially so, how the war the war ends for them you know i won't give yes. it away here but especially the way the war ends for them it's it's incredible that they only lost one also exactly so uh, you know the so the band as i mentioned before plays for the dress parades they play for church services being moravians of course 
their book has a lot of hymns that they play because the music is not only important to these soldiers for the military duty, but also helps with their spiritual needs. So the band, you know, performs at uh, at church services on Sundays. They also played for funerals. Uh, that's an important part of a musician's duty during the Civil War, as it is today, um, that a band would play at a, a military funeral. They also played for executions. And Julius Leinbach writes about uh, a very unusual incident that happened at Magnolia, North Carolina. And, uh, here's his, from his uh, diary. Uh, quote, January 26, 1863, was the day fixed for the execution of a member of Company B for desertion. He had but four or five days' notice of his impending fate, but expressed himself as being ready to meet his God. The brigade was formed on three sides of a hollow square, the prisoner being placed on the open side with the firing squad a short distance in front of him. The squad had been furnished with rifles loaded by us, the band, half of them with ball partridges and the other half with blank cartridges, none, none of them knowing how his gun was loaded. The assistant adjutant general stepped forward and read the sentence of court-martial to him, which condemned him to be shot to death. Then, to my intense relief, certainly to the one most concerned, another paper was read being his full pardon, and he was permitted to rejoin his company. He declared he would never desert again, nor did he, but he was a good soldier, and he was killed bravely fighting at Gettysburg. So that's an interesting story of, you know, the band not only playing music, uh, bands would play music as the prisoner was brought out to be executed. They would usually play a death march, um, handles uh, from the, the dead march from Saul being the most popular one. Uh, but in this instance, not only did they play, but they also helped, they, they were also the ones responsible for loading the muskets and then mixing them up. I think it's so, crazy that like they they do the people firing the guns the service of not knowing you know which one of them was killing the person but you know the band loaded every gun so the band knows that they that they at least you know primed exactly. the weapon that did the killing so it's more of a a mental you know blow to the band i would think than to maybe the people pulling the trigger it's crazy exactly yeah um so you know, it's a, it's a heart-wrenching story. Kind of, kind of nice in a way that you know they spared the man's life, but you know, then you know to point out that he was killed at Gettysburg is, is a sad thing. So you know, they they spend uh, eighteen six the rest of eighteen sixty two and spring of eighteen sixty three encamped in North Carolina, and then um, in the late spring. With uh, the victory at Chancellorsville, the Confederate Army starts moving forward into Pennsylvania. Uh, the 26th North Carolina at that time was then under the command of Harry Bergwin, who was 21. He was a graduate of the Virginia Military Institute. Um, he was called the Boy Colonel. <laughs> you imagine at the age of 21 being a full bird colonel. 
wow. and and mm-hmm. in charge of an entire regiment. Um, yeah. So yeah. they, um, I believe, were with Heath's division, and they were part of the Confederate Army that now moved north uh, into uh, through Maryland and into Pennsylvania, and uh, of course. You know, the band w- was very important because uh, they wanted b- the bands to play music to, to help, you know, soothe the, the nerves of, of people as they came by, you know, uh, uh, their towns. Mm-hmm. And now the band, the, the 26th North Carolina, they talk about when they reached the, uh, the Potomac River. Uh, and, and the little interesting things that they had to do because they were asked to play Maryland by Maryland all the time because um, uh, they were sure that there were, you know, sympathizers in Maryland who, upon hearing the music, would help, you know, rise to their cause. But uh, Leinbach writes, quote, Just as I reached the Maryland side of the river, the Potomac, I stumbled and fell to my knees, doing involuntary homage to the state. We were, when we were then again dressed, one of our men asked to play Maryland, my Maryland. Our leader being sick, I was the next in authority and declined to do so for reasons of my own. A member of General Pettigrew's staff was close by and heard me. He was seen to smile and he moved away. And not long after, uh, an order or request came from the general that we play that piece of music. I did not decline again. (laughs) (laughs) So so now, you know, they they, they marched through Maryland. And of course, they marched through uh, Pennsylvania in June of uh, 1863. And it's lush. If you've ever driven through pennsylvania in june and, and july it's just gorgeous the rolling hills the green i can only imagine what these so these these confederates saw and, and you know they were being well fed too because they were living off the land mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. maryland and pennsylvania offered us really great food for the for them um so by the end of june with the confederate army now in um in Pennsylvania and getting ready for battle that they knew that was coming up, they had a preacher who, um, of course, gave sermons and, and, and tended to their spiritual needs. Um, they had a church service on the on June 28th, and this is just before the great battle. And one of the guys talks about, quote, did you see Colonel Bergwin during the preaching? He seemed deeply impressed. I believe we're going to lose him on this trip. Sadly, prophetic words, they were fulfilled much sooner as any of us had the remotest idea. The preacher quoted Jeremiah 8 to 20 saying, the harvest has passed, the summer is ended, and we are not saved. So there's this great premonition that something is about to happen. And, and by the way, before I go on with, with the Gettysburg uh, story, I should point out that the band by this time had picked up a drummer, a guy by the name of Augustus Reich, um, Gus Reich to his, his friends. He was known as the Wizard of the uh, Blue Ridge uh, in that he was a not only a good drummer, but he was a magician. 
And so when the band would do uh, performances, he also would do magic tricks. And, uh, and he was, he, uh, his title, the, the, the Wizard of Blue Ridge, was in reference to his wizardry skills as a magician. He was quite obviously a very good one because he was, uh, he was featured many, many, many times. And we see his name on posters a, a lot. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, so they did, have a, they did have a drummer at Gettysburg. So with, now with the battle starting, um, the, the, the 26th North Carolina Regiment went in to the battle with about uh, 800 soldiers. And they fought on the first day uh, northwest of Gettysburg, uh, where most of the first day's action took place. Uh, the, uh, the Confederate Army coming down from Cashburg, uh, Cashtown. Mm -hmm. um, the, the 26th met up and fought against uh, Michigan boys. And uh, on the first day of approximately 800 soldiers, 588 were killed or wounded. Um, yeah, that was a lot. The, 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 one of the companies was completely wiped out. Yeah. And it was during this day that, um, you know, the, the band wasn't playing. They were held back and they were doing their secondary duty which was uh, as surgeons, assistants, and uh, tending to the men who were wounded. It was one of the guys, it may have been Leinbach, who actually said, uh, by the end of the war, we could cut off a man's leg as well as any surgeon. So you sort of wonder what the, how much they assisted in, this, in that surgery. Yeah. 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 So after the first day's battle, the second day, they were uh, tending. The, the band was tending to their to their comrades in the twenty sixth, um, and they write about that, uh, saying, "Quote: With heavy hearts, we went about caring for the wounded. We were sent for by the commanding officer of the brigade, but Doctor Warren sent a note back with Sam Mickey that we could not be spared." A short time later, another order came for us, and we went accordingly to the regiment where we found men more cheerful than ourselves. We played for some time, uh, the, North, the 11th North Carolina playing with us, and the men cheered lustily. We learned afterwards from northern papers that our playing could be heard across the lines and caused wonder that we should play while fighting was going on all around us. So what had happened, of course, is, is that uh, the order came down from General Heath that he wanted music to be uh, played to keep up the spirits of the, the men on the second day's battle. And so mm -hmm. the, the, it was the 26th and the 11th who got together and performed. Um, of course, uh, both bands had a lot of similar music so that they were able to, to form up and, and play. And that must have been really a, an interesting sound with everything going on to hear yeah. Yeah, music yeah. floating around. And that's, like I said before, where that quote comes from, Lieutenant Colonel Fremantle. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, it's uh, just an interest, interesting uh, quote about hearing 
the the waltzes and polkas which sounded very curious uh, sounded by mm -hmm. accompanied by the hissing and bursting of shells so mm -hmm. and heard by both sides too yeah, yeah. Uh, so after the uh, gettysburg the the confederate army makes its way back to virginia uh the band uh was directed to perform at general heath's quarters on july 15 and then sam mickey the band leader uh, by the way sam mickey had the honorary title of captain all his fellow band members called him captain mickey which he uh kept uh, through the rest of his life um uh, but he was uh called to uh general lee's headquarters and he was really afraid that something was going to happen. He was afraid that they would be forced to trade their instruments for muskets. And he wrote, um, quote, General Lee sent a courier that we should report to him. With our regiment terribly reduced, we were a little uneasy about our future condition, fearing the possibility that we might be put into the ranks we obeyed the order with fear and trembling, feeling very much as a prisoner would who was about to receive his sentence. General Lee received us very kindly and said that he considered our band the best in the army and hoped that we would do all we could to cheer up the men. We went back to our quarters with light hearts, unquote. So Lee, um, you know, actually, you know, uh, commended uh, the band and mm -hmm. he was to actually to say during that meeting uh, that I don't believe we can have an army without music so when you see that quote being floated around it was actually written uh, or said by Lee to the members of the 26 North Carolina band so oh, wow. so after this now mm -hmm. uh, for, for the rest of 1864 or 63 and 64, the band uh, was to remain in Virginia. And they found themselves back in training into the regular routining of army life, drilling and rehearsing and performing camp concerts. And this is as the regiment was um, uh, reformed. And by the way, I had mentioned the boy colonel before, Colonel Bergwin. And yeah, mm -hmm. he, he, was, he was killed that first day at uh, Gettysburg. Mm -hmm. um, which is unfortunate so uh they were now playing for the division commander general uh, kirkland and they participated in a huge review on september 11th 1863 the entire third corps of the confederate army uh passed in review uh for robert e lee some thirty thousand men which included according to them 17 bands uh wow. took took two hours for all the troops to pass and review. So there we get an indication that there was a lot of Confederate bands out there. Yeah, yeah, right. for sure. And of course, with drilling of troops and everything, I had mentioned before in my earlier podcast how important bugle calls were. Right. Now, mm -hmm. the, the 26th North Carolina, there was, there may have been a regimental bugler, but we, I, I have not found out any records of that. Um, and they, they may have had uh, some field music, but for the most part, it was the band, the 26th North Carolina Regimental Band that provided all the music for them. But 
<laughs> you know, the, the band, of course, they didn't have to do the field music duties. Uh, they didn't have to play bugle calls in the morning and the evening and all that stuff. Well, they uh, w- were summoned to do that. And it gives a, uh, a great story of what happened um, in 1860, 1864. Um, here's the quote from uh, Julius Leinbach's uh, diary. He goes, quote, General Kirkland took a new freak into his head. He sent for Sam and told him he wanted one of us to blow bugle calls for brigade drill. I was selected for the job uh, that Julius Leinbach, he was not only a tuba player, but he also played cornet. So uh, he had sent a copy of tactics in which the various calls were given, and I was to memorize a few, but there were so many, and I did not know what commands he would give that I was in so much the condition of a small boy going to school without knowing his lessons. I had this consolation, however, that if I did not know the different calls, neither did the general, nor did the men. So if I gave the wrong one, no one would be the wiser. So I put up a bold front as I walked up to headquarters at the appointed hour. I was put on a fiery steed and followed the general as he rode to the parade grounds. I could well imagine what the under officers and men were wondering as to what sort of circus performance was to come off. The general gave his command as, for instance, by battalion, right wheel, which was repeated by the regimental and company officers. Then instead of saying, march, I was to give the prescribed call for that maneuver. Sometimes I remembered the correct call. Mostly I knew knew no more than the various dunts in the ranks as to what tones I should play, but I blasted something out all the same, and it answered the purpose. For two hours, this farce was kept up, and then we rode back to camp, wiser men. I was never asked to repeat this performance. <laughs> I was gonna say there, there's a there's a joke to be made there about tuba players never really knowing what's going on, but I'll refrain from making it. <laughs> yeah, it's it's actually Leinbach, you know, part of that Leinbach family uh, switched during the war from playing tuba to cornet. And I forget who he switched with. They they decided just to switch instruments. Yeah. <laughs> why not? A, yeah, why not? Yeah. <laughs> so uh, the, the band, uh, you know, of course, playing re- these these duties, they also found themselves working in the hospital, caring for the, 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 the wounded and the dying. Um, and and, and there were times also they were ordered up to the front lines to play for the troops and they were to find themselves in petersburg um and the petersburg uh, where they had the long line of confederates uh entrenchments this was to be of course the last stand if if they if they couldn't hold petersburg richmond would fall so one of the ideas that the confederates had because they didn't have many men was to have the band and troops march back and forth over and over again to give the impression that they were a a much bigger army than it were so the band along with the regiment they they settled near uh, petersburg and once again it's very monotonous routine 
going on with the band playing and practicing. And uh, on October 11th, the bands of the, the North Carolina 26th and the 27th, they, they teamed up for a grand serenade for the residents of Petersburg, only to be met with a bombardment from Yankee artillery that was close by, <laughs> and also Yankee bands. So Christmas and um, New Year's came, and it, of course, didn't look uh, promising for the Confederacy. Um, and before I go on, one of the interesting things, too, about this band, you know, being made up of Moravians, they participated in the Moravian traditions. Um, one of the traditions, of course, is playing on Easter morning, starting in the cemetery, playing hymns in the darkness up through sunrise and that still continues in both salem and, and bethlehem i believe both bethlehem today mostly in salem um and so they did that much to the consternation of non-moravians in the regiment they did that on mm -hmm. easter 1863 the other tradition is playing on new year's eve to announce the new year playing at midnight um one of the heart-wrenching stories for me about this band is that they had been away on furlough uh, for a while. And um, when they came back, it was, it was in, in the middle of winter and it was snowing and they had hitched a ride on a, uh, on a wagon. And the, the, the regiment had been without their band for like a month or so. And when they came back, they, they came back in the middle of the night, but they struck up a tune. And the regiment was immediately awakened uh, and they started cheering because their band was back. <laughs> so now here we are. It's, it's towards, you know, the end of the war. Fort Fisher, North Carolina uh, had fallen. Um, Petersburg was now under heavy siege. And the band found themselves in the breastworks surrounding Petersburg when they were informed at the end of March, to gather whatever belongings they have and move to the rear as quickly as possible. And um, of course, they write about that in their diary. They wrote, quote, Dan, Dan Krause, who was the tenor horn player, Dan and I had just gotten down to the foot of a tree when a mini ball struck just above our heads. I jumped up and said, boys, let's get away from here. And someone said, the Yankees are coming. And sure enough, a long blue line sparkling with flashes of musketry was moving rapidly toward us and our men in pitifully small numbers in full retreat. So the band with the army starts moving uh, westward uh, away from Petersburg and throwing away anything they uh, couldn't carry, including food. So somehow the band got separated from the regiment because it's 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 a pretty pretty much you know everyone's just leaving quickly as possible. Um, they um, which leads to a, a a great story here about the band. Uh, they said, "quote After we had gone a few miles and it seemed to have gotten away from everyone else, we came to our house where the good lady gave us some bread and meat." for which we returned our acknowledgments by playing Lorena, thereby ending our musical career as the 26th North Carolina Regimental Band, although we did not know it at the time. Mm 
Someone told us we better stop playing as the Yankees would hear us and certainly, certainly try to capture us. And uh, unfortunately, a few days later, the band was captured near Five Forks. I'm not exactly sure who captured them or exactly where they were captured. Um, but they, all their instruments were taken, except for Sam Mickey, who hid his uh, E-flat cornet in his haversack. And this was uh, very sad for the musicians because they had grown very close to these instruments that they'd played the entire time they were in service. They were taken to uh, the federal prison at uh, Point Lookout, Maryland, where they were to spend the next uh, couple months. Uh, they were released in July and then made their way home. They're one of the last entries in their uh, the diary that talks about the, the the band as the 26th North Carolina Regimental Band is is very interesting and very, well worth repeating. Quote. Then we realized more fully that we were prisoners indeed, and that each step we were forced to take was away from home and all we held most dear. When would we be permitted to see our loved ones or even communicate with them and relieve their anxiety they would naturally feel for our safety and welfare? Where were we going and what treatment would be accorded us? Sad and gloomy indeed were our th thoughts. Farewell home and friends. Farewell Southern Confederacy. Farewell, 26th North Carolina Regiment. Farewell, 26th North Carolina Regimental Band. No more would we play for guard mounts and dress parade. Never again shall your familiar heirs cheer and be cheered by men for, for three years were wont to call you our band. There is no more 26th North Carolina Regiment. It has passed into history and such a history as any organization might well be proud. So that's, that's a great ending for, for that band. And, uh, in July of 60, uh, 65, the boys, uh, all of them, uh, reached home. And like members, uh, like thousands of other uh, Confederates uh, and Southerners, the veterans who were returning to their homes, they went on, of course, living their lives and helping rebuild the nation. And as we mentioned before, the band uh, was then recreated in uh, 18, uh, excuse me, 1960s as part of the centennial. But the band actually still lives on, uh, lived on. It existed before the war as the Salem Band, made up of Moravians who were businessmen in the town, tinsmiths, you know, bookbinders and things like that. Mm -hmm. After the war, they put away their uniforms and went right back to performing as the Salem band. Gotcha. So that's uh, a brief history of, of the band. Yeah, no, it's awesome. Did, do you know that the, did the Salem band then continue to exist and continue to exist today? Is that one of these continuously? Yes. Uh, I believe it's all brass. They may have, they've added woodwinds, but you know, what's interesting is to point out that they're the, the, the two traditions the the salem band was reformed again under um a, a fellow by the name of bernard fall and bernard 
was to be uh, a member of that band for the late 19th century all the way up like through 1950s um and the band uh was you know reformed as the salem band but also there was was what was called the easter band and this was the band that would you know would play the church services and would play on easter easter in the uh cemetery um what is interesting is that to, to try to find this book not only harry um harry's book but there's a book called the salem band by bernard fall and it was written in 1953 and he also chronicles the history of the band from its uh start in the, the late 18th century all the way up to the 1950s and and in my research and and the photos that were sent to me it's very interesting seeing pictures of the band with members of the 26th North Carolina as they get older and older. You know, as you look at photos that are taken in the latter part of the 19th century, there's Sam Mickey with his cornet, and then he later moves to the alto horn. <laughs> but, uh, and Sam Mickey a- actually returns to Gettysburg in 1913 for the 50th anniversary of the battle. And there's a, a photo of him and his wife uh, there. So, so mm-hmm. the band the band continued on, um, and it still exists today. Um, and I, outside of the the recreation they did in the nineteen sixties, I don't believe they've done anything further uh, with uh, recreating that band. Uh, but but we have, and I'll, mm-hmm. I'll talk about okay. that too. Real quick about. Harry Hall's book. I know that the the primary title is a Johnny Red Band from Salem, but mm-hmm. even while I was reading it, uh, I wasn't quite sure how to make sense of the subtitle, "The Pride of Tarhelia." What is Tarhelia? I don't think it even mentions it in the book. I I, I believe that has to do. I, I should have I should have had this answer for you ready to go. <laughs> no, I'm but sorry. But <laughs> not being from North, you know, they're called the Tar Heel State. Right. The, the Tar Heels. So I, I think that has something to do with that. And and um, I'm not sure where Tar Heel comes from. And, and now hopefully everybody who, who listens to this <laughs> podcast will write in the comments below yeah, there we go. <laughs> where Tar Heel comes from. But uh, one of the things I think about, you know, if, if you're stuck in tar, you know, you're, you're, you're pretty steadfast. You're going to stand, you know, not move. And in and, and North Carolina, was a state that um, even though it was part of the Confederacy, I think it may have been like the last state to actually join the Confederacy. They were very, you know, concerned about they were their own entity. In fact, a, a lot of their troops did not wear CSA belt buckles. They wore NC belt buckles. And in fact, uh, when we do our, do our band uniform and recreation, we wore NC belt buckles, not Confederate buckles. The, and the buttons, that was another thing. Um, the, the North Carolina uniforms uh, had their own buttons, their own state symbol, rather than the Confederate uh, States of America symbol. Hmm. So they, they wanted to be their, their own. And in fact, uh, uh, the governor uh, towards the end of the war refused to let anybody out except for North Carolina troops wear their uniforms. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so they, they, yeah, they, so that might be 
part of the whole Tar Heel thing. Gotcha, gotcha. Is there any last, uh, I guess we could say, historical band things that we want to ask or, or mention in this segment? The original band, um, I, I, I think these, it's important to remember that, you know, they were religious men. They were Moravians, but they were also very patriotic men who, who really felt that they had a duty to their country. And their country was, you know, the state of North Carolina and that they wanted to do their duty in this war um, to help support it any way they could. And the best way they could was through music, because um, the Moravians, I believe, um, you know, they don't encourage fighting. <laughs> they, they, they didn't want members, you know, to actually pick up weapons. And, and so this was a way for them to support their you know their their state so th and they did it and, and and they went through some really tough times during the years that they they served um uh, yeah. they 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 saw the worst part of war they um but they lived through it and they lived uh, you know to tell the tale and one of the great things is that they kept the band books the only mm -hmm. complete band books of any confederate band and they have the diaries. Leinbach, yeah. Julius Leinbach, uh, wrote a thing about the history of the 26th North Carolina and would do presentations to, like, the daughters of the uh, the Confederacy. He would do programs all the time and talk about the band. So yeah. there was this continuing interest. Um, and then, of course, they kept playing. Um, and Sam Mickey, of, of course, being, you know, the, this great cornet player, uh continued on doing what he was doing even though he was he was working as a tinsmith and by the way if you go to salem today you'll see the original tinsmith shop where he worked it's got a oh, big cool. <laughs> big tin pot out a oh, huge tin pot out there mm -hmm. it's pretty cool mm -hmm. and i i kept saying salem you know today it's it's called winston salem north carolina mm -hmm. right. but if you go down mm -hmm. there there is the historic old salem um, that's okay. with original buildings. So if you get a chance, it's yeah. it's wonderful. And the, the foundation is close by. Yeah, 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 very cool. I will say that while I was reading Harry Hall's book about this band, it really uh, helped humanize uh, that, you know, side of the war. You know, it's no secret that I'm from New York and, you know, that I would say that the South was in rebellion and, you know, all that kind of stuff. But th this book really makes you feel for this this group of guys. It, it kind of like had the same feeling of while I was reading and then later watching Band of Brothers on HBO and how it's able to go through the entire war and pre-war and post-war with this small company of people and you're really able to hear their story. Uh, you know, I felt the same thing reading this book and, and learning about uh, the the boys from the twenty six band, and yeah, that just that that humanizing effect really made the entire war a little bit more complicated in in my head. You know, it's not as black and white or cut and dry as as a lot of people tend to want to make it with you know aligning with you know regional alliances or whatever. So yeah, it 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 made me feel very unexpected. <laughs> It's you. You bring up an excellent point there. Um, that the the story is about you know quote unquote a band of brothers, 
um, and that mm-hmm. you know this could have easily have been the band from Bethlehem, Pennsylvania. Right. You know, the, the whole, you know what we try to do when we tell the story is tell the story of these men and what they did in 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 a war situation, and it could have been Union, could have been Confederate. The only you know, just the color of their uniform gives it away. Um, mm-hmm. And and it's very interesting also by using that term band of brothers. When you go down to uh, Salem today, there is a Moravian graveyard a cemetery. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's called. Mm-hmm. I think it's called God's Acre, mm-hmm. and the boys in the band are buried close by mm-hmm. so, so when you right. go to visit. So they they still remain to this to the state eternally a band of brothers. Yeah, and we we did. Uh, I forget if it was included in an episode or not, but they're. Uh, I don't know. Best way of saying this. This is where we tread on the the difficult ground. But there, it's been brought up before of how. Uh, people may feel uncomfortable wearing the gray uniform, even if they're depicting a band kind of, uh, you know, everything associated feeling uncomfortable. We kind of touched on it a little bit, but uh, yeah. what, what are your thoughts on on putting, you know, especially residing in Maryland, uh, well, a border state, you know, you get the <laughs> idea, but, but uh, you know, I don't know, good way of asking it, what your what's your justification maybe for for being comfortable with wearing these uniforms well we're trying to tell a story um most importantly of these men um and mm-hmm. we want it to be as accurate as possible you know if they had been if it was a union band we'd be wearing union uniforms but they you know they were confederate bands so we wanted to reproduce that uniform that they wore what we try to stay away from in all our, you know, presentations or any, you know, for lack of better, you know, word, you know, political points of view uh, of the Civil War. Mm-hmm. We're just trying to tell a story of Moravian musicians who were caught up, you know, in a situation where they wanted to support their state. And the best way they could do it was through their music. And... Mm-hmm the story tells um, a very unique perspective of these men who were, you know, not only skilled brass players, but, you know, they had other duties, you know, they had to, you know, put the, put the the muskets together for an execution. They had to play at funerals. Mm -hmm. They had to help the surgeons. Uh, And and like I said, it it could have very well have been a union band. Um, It's a very unique story. And we're happy to tell it in in the light of um, and view of these musicians. You bring up a good point that like the the experience, at least when you're talking about the bands, I feel like between, you know, the two sides, the experiences of the band were largely the same. I mean, they're playing, you know, kind of for the same reasons and they're doing a lot of the same, you know, extra musical services during the during the war. So I think the the bands i mean we've covered you know they they had a very unique position in the civil war and it it is an interesting story that you know needs to be told and is an important part of american music history so it's like on the table you know to tell it it's fair to tell you know the story of the people and and the other thing too is that when we do performances um uh, presentations on the history of the band we, we we gear our program 
and do it in a chronological order, starting from the uh, one selection, you know, the pre-war, you know, talk about what happened. We relate the stories through the through the, um, the diaries and letters. Um, we do it in two parts. We go up to Gettysburg to take a you know intermission, and then Gettysburg to the end. Uh, mm-hmm. b- b- what I think really appeals to audiences is that not only uh, they get to hear the music as performed on original instruments, and we always point this out that you're hearing this music as it would have been heard 160 years ago. These are not modern instruments reproducing the sounds. Mm -hmm. These are the actual instruments with using original mouthpieces and things like that. So this is the way Mm -hmm. it would have sounded. Also, the, the uniforms, this is the way they looked. And then people will come up afterwards and look at the uniforms. And I should just, I should talk about that uniform uh, that we, we wear in just a bit, but they're mm-hmm. very interested in seeing it up close and then, you know, feeling the material and stuff and, um, and actually looking at the cut of how these uniforms were. Um, they were exactly like um, union uniforms, except they had a different color. So let's talk about those uniforms. You, you, you alluded earlier that um, you know, there were some differences between the North Carolina, some of the North Carolina regiments and the rest of the um, Confederate Army. So um, do you guys you guys model then the exact uniforms that the North 26 North Carolina band wore from, you know, the pictures you have and everything? Exactly. Uh, unfortunately, there's only one photograph oh, okay. <laughs> and, uh, of the band, and that yeah. was taken uh, in, front, in front of a bakery on Main Street. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it has a description. It, and it, it, the description is a, a cadet jean wool cloth. Uh, it says with brass buttons. So we, we, we notice on the photograph you know, that it's a frock. It's not a short coat that most mm-hmm. Confederate you know, uh, soldiers wore, but it's actually the longer coat that goes down to the knee. Um, and it's it's fitted to fit, you know, form-fitting uh, with, bra- with brass buttons. So with that information in hand, we decided, okay, let's see if we can find um, a, a, a person who knows this material. So we contacted Ben Tart. Who makes uh, who, who does cloth in North Carolina? He, he's done a lot of Civil War uniforms, mm-hmm. so we gave him the information. He goes, "Oh yes, I know exactly what this is. It's you know, it's a combination of of, of wool and cotton. It's kind of a, of, of, a, of a rougher type of um, weave to it, but this is the material that was used. And Cadet Gray." which uh, it's, it's the same type of gray that uh, of the uniforms at West Point. So okay. what we decided uh, and talked to Ben about this is that we did not want to use modern coloring dye for the cadet gray, and which he strongly suggested, yeah, that's great. <laughs> use original vegetable dye that was used in these uniforms. So we got... We, we got bolts of this uniform and we had um, my wife, Heather, and her friend, Allison, who have experience in making costumes for theaters. We got mm-hmm. all the patterns and they made the uniforms for, uh, for us. Wow. Now, what's interesting, if you see pictures of our band today, when we first started, 
the uniforms are that nice light blue gray. Uh, mm -hmm. Yeah, the cadet gray color. As the years go by and we wear them in the sun, guess what color they turn into? Take a wild guess. Right. Uh, uh, they, uh, brownish. <laughs> very good. They turn brown. And unlike, <laughs> you know, uh, uh, since the, the since it's not a modern you know dye which will, will will hold up against sunlight, the same material mm -hmm. used back then starts to turn the cadet gray into a, a, a brown color, which of course is the butternut that they mm -hmm. talk about yeah. all the time. Yeah. So, uh, butternut uniforms were actually gray uniforms at the beginning, and then you wore them out in the sun, and they 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 turn. So that's that's the that's the that's the uh, material we used for the brass buttons. We were unsure because all it said was large brass buttons. Uh, we knew we were not going to use conf uh, the Confederate States of America emblem because North Carolina troops didn't wear them. So there were two types of buttons that North Carolina had: one with the state seal, and then the other one had a what was called a starburst on it. Um, I think we used the starburst uh, for our uniforms. For the hats, we went to um, uh, Greg Starbuck, who was a terrific hat maker, and had him uh, gave we, we we gave him the material, and he made wonderful hats for us. Um, what's interesting also about the uniforms that inside the uniforms, uh, we used different patterns of uh, uh, cotton cloth. So everyone in the band has a slightly different inside, you know, the uh, <laughs> for the for the lining. Yeah, yeah. Uh, mm -hmm. So to make it more authentic uh, for that, so mm -hmm. the uniform is about as authentic as you can possibly get for this, um, and it's 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 so great when we have people who come up and look at us, uh, especially when we've done uh, events. We've had people who walk up to us and, you know, wow, that's a real band uniform. You guys look like mm -hmm. a band, you know, not just thrown together a whole bunch of hodgepodge of people who went out and purchased uniforms from different vendors. Yeah. Um, we had, actually have uniforms that were made by one specific. So yeah. That, yeah. The, that in combination with the instruments that we use, playing the music uh, that's transcribed from the archives, you know, mm -hmm. it, it gives us the sense, it gives people the sense of what really happened back then. Yeah. And that was kind of the next question that I was going to ask is when you're doing your 26 North Carolina impression, are you only playing music that is transcribed from the archives or do you play anything else? Maybe that's documented in a diary or something um, that you're able to arrange yourself. Um. Most of the material comes from the archives. Uh, okay. you, the, 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 the last thing that you said about having maybe a piece that we found that uh, might be documented that we can't find that we want to add, we'll, we'll put into it. But for the most part, 99% uh, of the when we do a music performance is the music of the 26th North Carolina because we're telling that story. Right. You know, we, we don't you know, we're not going to we're not going to play um, rally around the flag. Uh, or mm -hmm. battle him with the republic, <laughs> yeah, right. you know, because we're, we're we're telling a very specific, you know, story, right. and got music, of course, uh, copies of the those archives, the, the, 
the mm-hmm. chicken scratch <laughs> and um, took a lot of that and put the put those on computer. Um, the, the Moravian Music Foundation has put out three volumes of music, which unfortunately we can't use any of it uh, for, for various reasons. Um, so we had to, you know, create our own library. We've been doing a lot of performances. Uh, we uh, actually traveled uh, to Salem, North Carolina in 2005. We did a program for the Moravian Music Foundation. And at that time, we visited the, the graves of the band members, did a short little homage to them. Uh, we also traveled out to uh, Columbus, Ohio for a Moravian Music Conference in 2006, where we did a presentation. Uh, in 2008, uh, the band participated in the Gettysburg 145th anniversary, which was huge. Um, and uh, we recreated what the band did. We actually, on the, when they were doing uh, one of the reenactments or the battle reenactments, we went out in the middle of the field and we played. And it, it was it, it was it was surreal because to hear the the muskets and the artillery going off and playing, it, yeah, we got we we got the feel uh, as to what those guys must have must have heard. Of yeah. course, without the real bullets, <laughs> right? <laughs> oh, um, like danger, yeah, of course. <laughs> yeah, we, without, without fear. We, yeah. Yes, <laughs> we've had a great relationship with the 26 North Carolina reenact uh, reactivated uh, regiment. They are a reenactment group uh, that actually has members descendants from the original regiment. Mm-hmm. And we've done a few events with them. They've come up to Gettysburg and we've supported them. Uh, In 2008, we were invited by them to go to Raleigh to play for the return of the 26th North Carolina battle flag. And it's there uh, we met uh, descendants of the Mickey family and the Leinbach family who we also met the Leinbach family at the Moravian Music Foundation. And we've been in touch with them. And, and, and those folks have sent photos to me too, which have been wonderful. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've gone down to New Bern, North Carolina to play for the anniversary of that, a dedication for a monument. Uh, uh, the Remembrance Day Parade, which is held every year. One year we had the Federal City Brass with the union guys and we did the 26 north carolina with the confederates <laughs> two bands in one yeah. in one it was it was uh, quite a feat but we were able to pull it off yeah, that's um, cool. the band has also played at church services uh for moravians we've done uh love feasts um i if you i don't know if you know what a love feast is uh it's, it's a mm. service the best part the best part of the service is where they stop in the middle and serve coffee and sweet bread <laughs> it's, <laughs> it, it, it's it's excellent um yeah. the uh, the band is you know like i said we've done a, a, a lot of programs and it, always with the idea that it is a presentation as you know the, the, the program uh the history of, the, of this terrific band um mm-hmm. what this, the, the return of that battle flag was a very moving um, experience. We also, when we met with the 26th up at North, uh, up in Gettysburg, 
they marched across the field recreating uh, their charge on, uh, during Pickett's charge. And the 26th North Carolina is the only regiment to have had its colors make it all the way up to the Union line. Um, mm. they, it's, there's a monument. If you go to Gettysburg near the high water mark, near the cannons where Alonzo Cushing is, just to the, to the right of that, there's a small monument to the members of the North Carolina, the 26th North Carolina Regiment. That's the place where they made it. The color bearers, there was like three of them left by that time, yeah. Um, yeah, had yeah. made it all the way to the line. And by this time, the Union guys stopped shooting at them. Um, um, and they started cheering for them uh, because they were uh, cheering, cheering their bravery. And then they 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 captured their flag <laughs> but they, <laughs> yeah, what, yeah. what was kind of nice was that when we recreated this with with the, with the modern guys they had descendants of the color bearers who took the colors and that, wow. that was really something yeah so. that's neat so the, the so band when, is when you know, you... i'm sorry the band sorry. has done done a lot of great stuff and um Unfortunately, you know, uh, things seem to have slowed down after one, the 150th anniversary was over. Mm -hmm. uh, and now uh, with the COVID, it's, uh, we're not getting much calls for doing things. Right. Yeah, of course. I was wondering when you guys do, uh, when you did have engagements and stuff, were you uh, sticking to the numbers in terms of what they had as well? Like, uh, they weren't a, a huge band. I think that they were on average around eight, I think, right? Correct, they had uh, 12 uh, at at the most at one time. And and no, we, uh, we'll use up to like 15 or 16 guys mm -hmm. uh, in the band. The original band had one E-flat cornet, two B-flat cornets, uh, two alto horns, a tenor horn, baritone, and a, and a bass horn, which meant with one E-flat cornet player, Sam Mickey must have had lips of leather. Oh, yeah, seriously. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yes. And if you were sticking to their actual instrumentation, I was wondering if the if the drummers get to rest for the first half of the concert and then show up when, <laughs> when the drummer has got there. <laughs> well, yeah, uh, no, unfortunately. And, 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 and to make it authentic, we really should have one of those guys do magic tricks, too. <laughs> yeah, there you go. That could be cool. Uh, yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we we try to use the drums sparingly, um, but you know you got to keep them busy. <laughs> and, <Right>. Yeah, um, <laughs> and idle hands, what, right back there. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> One of the things too is that we, we not only do we use the drums sparingly, we use the cymbal even more sparingly. Mm -hmm. uh, they there there was no cymbal player uh, with that band, and unfortunately, I've heard some recordings of playing this music using a lot of cymbal. And it's uh, to my ear, it's just jarring at, at times mm -hmm. because I, I know that there wasn't a, a cymbal player. Um, so, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, trying to make it as, as, as uh, authentic as possible, but uh, it's okay. And then of course, so there are some bands who play this and they, they use modern instruments, you know, and that's fine. Mm -hmm. People are, you know, it, it's a great way of, you know, introducing people to this, this music. And right. um, yeah. I've actually done some modern brass quintet transcriptions of some of the music mm -hmm. that I've that I'm making available. Uh, That's awesome. Yeah, you have to. Uh, unfortunately, well, 
you have to lower the key uh, because the you know to put it into more playable keys for modern brass quintets. Otherwise, the first trumpet player is gonna you know not make it the first couple lines. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, for sure. Well, that's something that Stephen and I actually really enjoyed when we interviewed uh, Randy Cable and was talking about his arrangements of the Brass Band Journal and also uh, the Smithfield Brass Band, uh, you know, Brass Band books from a Virginia Confederate oh, band. How... Right, the, the 19th Artillery, right. right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How he, uh, you know, has, especially for the Brass Band arrangements that he did, he gave it B-flat subparts for all the E-flat instruments, you know, as options, but then also lowered it, I think, a fourth or a fifth, like you were saying. And, yeah. you know, that that doesn't, eliminate the option of playing you know the original music you know what he did doesn't uh you know replace anything it just provides another option for uh for people becoming introduced and familiar with this music which you know we we loved we thought it was great so that's it right in line with what you're doing with uh, your quintet stuff i think it's great Right. And I, I try to tell people, yeah, this is not, you know, if you want the original, you know, you can find those and, and play those. Yeah, yeah, but but it, 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 you know, th these are great for groups that, you know, uh, like, like you said, introduce people to this, this, this uh, music. I, I really encourage people to find the book on, on Harry Hall. Um, also on my website, tapsbugler.com, I have a short history of the 26th North Carolina band uh, that I did. And um, I've, I've done presentations uh, about the band uh, at certain organizations, and it's been great. I did one for the, um, the East Coast Brass uh, Conference, mm -hmm. uh, but unfortunately it was only limited to, to 25 minutes. It's very oh, tough to you. tell this, very tough to tell the, the story of this band. Right, yeah, uh, yeah but, definitely. But we do have, you know, uh, a Facebook page, the 26 North Carolina band has a, its own Facebook page. I mentioned before the 26th uh, regiment, infantry regiment, they have a, 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 their own Facebook page and they also have a website. Um, and some of our, the arrangements from the band book has been recorded on our CD called better than rations or medicine. Um mm -hmm. So uh, I you know, encourage people, if they want to hear some of this music, um, they can uh, listen to the Finale recording, which is wonderful. The uh, American Brass Quintet, their two volumes of uh, this music recorded is wonderful. Um, and then there's ours, uh, the Better Than Rations for Medicine. And then if you can possibly find anything from the 11th North Carolina band, uh, hmm. it's, it's tough uh, <laughs> yeah, trying yeah, to find yeah, it. They yeah, they're hard to find. Actually, actually, a local uh, Fairfax musician, Sam Loudenslager, near us, used to play with the 11th, and he was able to give me. Uh, I I purchased uh, the fifth volume through eBay, I think, but he was able to give me CDs to to copy of volumes two through four. So I was able to have four out of the five in in CD form from from the 11th, which is awesome. Yeah. Oh, that's great! That that's yeah. wonderful. I, I'm really uh, glad to hear that uh, you're keeping these archives of uh, these recordings 
Yeah, uh, be, yeah, definitely. Be, because one day, you know, people are going to need to find this for research. And, and what I'm really happy is to see that we have this young generation coming up who are interested in this. And if you guys can, you know, get with, the, you know, George Mason and maybe have a center for Civil War music, you know, because there was actually a, mm-hmm. a center for Civil War uh, music up at Shepherdstown University. I don't mm-hmm. know if it still exists. Interesting. Um, I didn't know the 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 George Tyler Moore Center, hmm. who who interestingly enough is the brother was the brother of Mary Tyler Moore, huh. <laughs> and so you might want to check into them and see if they are still doing something because it'd be nice to have a center where articles and papers and dissertations and instruments and recordings can all go. Yeah, 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 definitely. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much, Yari, for coming on to the show for a second time. Uh, we've already kind of discussed off off camera uh, how we can get you back a third time. So yeah. listeners be looking forward to a third episode, hopefully coming out, uh, you know, in, in the next while here. Uh, but yeah, thank you so much, Yari, for coming out again. It was awesome getting to pick your brain and and hear about this awesome history of the 26th North Carolina. Thanks for having me enjoyable and thank you for everything you guys are doing to keep the this history alive thank you again yari villanueva for coming on for a second time onto the early american brass band podcast as the first time uh as we got kind of to the end of the interview we were already brainstorming about how to have yari on for what is now this episode so that happened again we're looking forward to having yari on a third time so stay tuned and uh, yeah, keep listening. He'll he'll be back. Definitely. And we will have links to everything you mentioned in the episode up on our show notes page on our website for this episode. That's eabbpodcast.com. If you want to get in touch with us, you can do that on social media. We're on all platforms and YouTube. Uh, you can also email us at eabb.podcast at gmail.com. We love hearing from listeners. Uh, so please don't hesitate to get in contact with us there. Also, as always, you know, the website has a bunch of resources on it. So we hope you'll join us over there and check it out and maybe dive down a rabbit hole. Our featured album this week is Better Than Rations or Medicine by the Federal City Brass Band. As we mentioned, I think in the episode, this album uh, contains a lot of 26 North Carolina music. Uh, It's performed by the Federal City Brass Band. And as you have come to expect with all of Yari's groups and projects, it's some phenomenal playing. Um, And we will have links to this album on the show notes page on our website, eabbpodcast.com. Just click on show notes, scroll to the bottom, and you'll find links to purchase this album and some more information about it we hope that you'll check it out and i think that wraps it up for this week's episode we will talk to you again in two weeks take care until then